Have you wanted to join us at an epic location but are new to photo workshops or photography in general? Maybe you've seen the beautiful images from our events and said to yourself, I want to be there. Are you having difficulty picking the perfect Cowgirls with Cameras event to come to in 2024? We want to invite you to a virtual Cowgirls with Cameras happy hour on January 9th. Bring your favorite cocktail or soft drink and snuggle in with your favorite blanket in front of your computer to learn about our 2024 event lineup and get all your questions answered. This is the perfect opportunity to get to know us better, get connected with Cowgirls with Cameras, and choose your best photography adventure for 2024. Register on our website at cowgirlswithcameras.com. We hope to see you there. It's time to laugh, learn, and take your photography to the next level with your favorite cowgirls with cameras, Kara, Kim, and Phyllis. Hey, cowgirls, it's Kim with Be More Business. Kara with Fast Source Photography. And Phyllis with Phyllis Burchette Photo. <laughs> Welcome to the Cowgirls with Cameras podcast. This one is all about building a photography business that fits the life you want to have. And we are so excited to bring this topic to you because it's taken a lot of blood, sweat, and tears from the three of us to figure this out. So hopefully, when you listen to this episode, you can learn from our lessons and you won't have to repeat them. <laughs> Let's cross our fingers on that one, because I know in business, sometimes <laughs> you still have to learn it the hard way occasionally, but I would love for you to be able to take our knowledge about building the business that you want to have or the life you want to have and then building a business that supports that. I think that's more an appropriate way to say that. But before we begin that, we all have been up to some very interesting things. Who would like to share what they've been up to first? So last time we all met and we were here on the show, I was in the process of doing creative consults with a lot of my autumn fall equine equestrian portrait shoots. So this last week, I have been shooting sessions, but also scheduling and doing the viewing and ordering appointments for some of the clients in different stages of my process. So this has been kind of a fun week where I get to do the reveal and show my clients their images. We get to talk about the different ways that they can use them. And it's just, it's the fun, it's probably the best part of the process. I love shooting. I love meeting with my clients, but I really love getting to show the finished product and then design the wall art side of that. That's probably the, the most fun part for me of the entire client process. I've also been prepping for travel because at the time that we're recording this, we're getting ready to head to Wyoming again for the Equine Photographers Network Powderhorn Ranch Retreat. And both of you will be there as well. So I'm really looking forward to that because for me, this is the one event that I enjoy every year which is, I kind of call it my happy place. It's a time when I go and be around my friends, photographer friends, new, make new friends, get to be out West. And it's kind of like a no pressure feeling because we're not leading the event or I'm not leading the event. Kim, I know you are, but I'm not leading the event. I get to relax and just shoot what I want to shoot while I'm out there. And I get to really put time and energy into thinking about the types of images that I know I can put to work for my business and trying to capture those while I'm out there. So it's a fun trip for me. And then the last piece of that 
And I always try to include something here that's kind of related to my personal family life, because to me, that's a big part of my why and my business. So for me, I've been coordinating all things family while I'm gone. Before every trip, I do things to make sure that my husband and my son and my dogs and my horses are all set up to be successfully happy and carefree while I'm gone. So I make sure there's groceries in the fridge. I make sure I have dog walks scheduled for all the dogs, that the horses have everything that they need. I travel easier and with a lighter heart when I know I've done everything I can to make sure that everybody at home is okay and that if something goes wrong, there are systems in place to handle that and there are backup people and all of that. It's my own personal worry. It's something that I deal with, but it's an important part of travel for me. So those are the big three things that I've been working on this week. What about you guys? I've been doing a lot of design work. This is one of part of my business that I know is a little different maybe from both Kara and Phyllis is that I still do graphic design. I still use the photography that I shoot to make brochures and booths and billboards and all kinds of things that and go up out in the world as marketing and advertising or illustration or something like that. And for me, it's one of the driving reasons I became a photographer was because I wanted good images to use in my design work. And so when I get to do design work, so smart, which happens a lot of times during the year, I get to see how those images are used and I get to choose them and I get to see the vision of what I saw when I was shooting the image actually come to complete life and fruition. And so I'm working on, I've got several design projects right now in my office that I am working on. Also getting ready. And what was funny when we were prepping for this episode, Kara's like, what all are you doing to get ready to go to Powderhorn? And both Phyllis and I kind of were like, yeah, we just haven't unpacked from the last trip. (laughs) So that's definitely me. My I was pretty suitcase, jealous about that. The suitcase is still spread out over in my bedroom and I just live out of it like I would when I'm normally traveling and my camera case is still all packed up right over here in the corner. So for me, it's just grabbing my stuff and getting in the car and heading out where I need to go. And that's what I've been up to, design work, using the photos I take, and then getting ready to head off to the lovely Powderhorn, where it is definitely a lot less stressful way of existence there. I always feel very peaceful when I'm at the Powderhorn. Wow. Sounds like you both got a lot going on. I don't have quite as much going on this week. I do have some mentorship Zoom sessions scheduled. I'm, of course, still catching up with editing images for all my summer trips. I work at a local co-op gallery on Wednesdays, so I have that to look forward to. And then, like Kara said and Kim said about Powderhorn, just I don't unpack, basically, so I'm still kind of packed, but getting ready and actually looking very forward to Powderhorn because it's like Kara said, it's a it's a week where we get to kind of go and do our own creative vision and, and kind of stand behind Kim and tell her what we'd like for her to, to do. But that's basically <laughs> it for me, just having a, a week, another week to enjoy being at home, which I really do enjoy. It's so crazy to me to think that when you guys are home between events during the summer, like we are heading into the fall, that you don't have to get your cameras out. Like I was unpacking my camera the next day for a sunrise shoot after we got home from Cottonwood. So 
I just find that so interesting that your cameras are already all packed up and you don't have to do anything. My gear is spread from one side of the studio to the other, and I'm going to have to go around it all up before we leave. I think, Kara, for me, my issue there is this may not sound right. The gear that I travel with is packed, but I have so many cameras in my closet. I have three other cameras besides the two I travel with. Oh, now I understand. Now I get it. <laughs> if I want to go outside and take pictures of hummingbirds or or birds or deer or whatever, I don't. You got have a special camera for that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I I get it now. <laughs> I get it now. Okay, so th- what it comes down to is I don't have enough gear. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, that means you should order oh, some boy. more gear. That definitely invest in some more. For me, my camera stays packed in its bag, but that's where it lives no matter what I'm doing. When I'm on the road, when I'm home, that's where it lives because that's where I can grab it out of and go shoot. So, yeah, it just stays in its little home. Yeah. And and like Phyllis, I have a closet full of cameras. <laughs> It's funny We've just how. been doing this a lot longer than you have, Kara. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't have um, a closet full of cameras and gear lying around that I can just grab when a hummingbird flins by. I would have to <laughs> have to go get my regular gear that I use for everything else because I just have a couple cameras. So It's, it's so hard for me because I really do need to go trade some gear in so I can get more gear, yeah. but right. I just uh-huh. haven't had the time to do it yet. And that's how they keep us <laughs> addicted to gear. Yes, that's how we stay addicted. We're supporting Canon and Nikon and all of their dreams and ambitions, which is probably an excellent segue into talking about your dreams and ambitions as a photographer. So I'm going to jump in to start this conversation with the piece of wisdom that I would love if you took away from this conversation as a listener And that is to design a business that supports the life you want to live versus designing a life around the business you think you ought to have. And when I sit down with a client who comes to me for business consulting, I don't start with business structure. I don't start with their business plan. I don't even start with my beloved business model canvas or value proposition sheets or any of those things that I love to work through people on. I don't start with a marketing plan. The very first questions that I ask them is, tell me how you want to spend your day. What do you want to do when you get up in the morning? What do you want to do throughout your day? What do you love to do? If money is no object, if training or opportunity are taken out of the equation for you to have the life that you want, what is it that you want to be doing? And I realize we all have to work, but how do we want to spend our time at the end of our lives? What is it that we are really going to value as how we have spent our time. Because the the truth is, is that we have a limited amount of it on this planet. And none of us know how long that's going to be. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my time doing something that I don't want to do. I don't find that joyful or pleasurable. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, we need to think about it. How do we want to spend our time? What do we love to do? How do you want to spend your day? How do you want to spend your week? That's 
another statement. If you have a family and you want to devote your weekends to your family, then that's a structure you need to think about for your business. How can you develop a business that allows you to go out and do things on the weekends that don't involve your business? On the other hand, if you maybe have a spouse who works weekends, then maybe you want to be working on the weekends and you want to have some time off during the week when other quote unquote normal businesses are functional. So how do you want to spend your week? Then how do you want to spend your month? I have clients who tell me I only want to work three weeks out of the month. I would like to have one week of downtime every single month to devote to all of the little things that I need to get done around my home or around my life that I don't work that fourth week of the month. I work really hard the first three, but the last week I take off. That's a perfectly acceptable way to have a business. There's nothing wrong with that. Also, how do you want to spend your year? Some of us don't want to work in the winter. I know branches and and farms are really fun to have in the spring and summer and fall when the weather's halfway decent and it doesn't take as long to do chores. But I can tell you around here in December, January, and February, we're in kidding season. We have calving season going on. We have babies being born. Chores take longer because things are frozen and the hose has to be drained. And I want a workload that's less when the weather is really bad because one, One, I don't want to have to be out in it. And two, I need to have that time that I am in it devoted to my farm and ranch. So how do you want to spend your year? And start by answering those questions and backing in to the business plan. Because here's the bottom line and here's the secret that nobody wants to tell you. I don't care what kind of business you want. It can be successful. If you look around your world, there are people who love social media and Instagram, and they have made a very profitable living out of becoming an influencer. There are people who want to work two weeks out of the month as a photographer, and they have a business plan that supports them working two weeks out of the month. But you've got to know what it is that you want and how you want to spend your time and what you love to do and what you're passionate about. How do you guys feel about that? The notion of thinking about it before you build your business? Well, I think for me personally, I have definitely built my current business model around that. (laughs) I think, you know, when I first got into photography, of course, everybody said, well, you know, that's what you should be doing as portrait photography, be able to make a living and this, that, and the other, and, or that, or some kind of, some type of, portrait work. And um, I did the family thing. I did the senior high school senior thing. I did. I Then I moved from that into portrait work with horses and or dogs or whatever. And I used to be, you know, back in years ago, it was a big, my business model was shoot and burn. I mean, that's, that's what you did back then. And then when IPS came about, and I learned a little bit more about that. I, I did do that for a year. It was successful. I made a lot of money that year, but then I realized that this isn't really what I like doing. It's not really me. That's when I started moving away from the portrait work into something that I I knew I would enjoy. I think at the time I thought that was what I needed to do was portrait work because I thought that's what you had to do to make a living, not realizing that you could do other things 
the teaching, the the travel, the art, fine art, that kind of thing is what I have switched over to personally. And that's what I enjoy. I think that's so important because I think people come into photography with this idea that they have to do certain things in a certain way and follow this kind of like yellow brick road to photography success. And the truth is, is that all three of us have very different businesses, very different business models, and we do things very differently in our businesses. And we're all successful in our own ways and how we define that. I think that's just such an important piece. Like you said, you didn't want to be a portrait photographer. Shoot and burn is what you call it. I like to call it shoot and share now. Shoot and share <laughs> photographer, you know, and you didn't enjoy photographing people all of the time, you know, so that makes a lot of sense. For me, I realized early on when I started the business that I didn't want to photograph anything besides horses and people with their horses. That was important to me. But I also learned real quick that for me, shooting consistently in the way that I needed to shoot in order to make a living with the way that I was currently priced at the time meant that I was going to have to shoot every day, twice a day, some days in order to make that happen. And that just did not work for my life. It didn't work for my family. It didn't work for my life, like me personally, my physical ability to function on a day-to-day basis. And I was on a fast track to burnout. So for me, thinking about how do I keep shooting what I like, which is the horse and human connection, people with their horses, portrait, equine equestrian portraits. How do I keep doing that in a way that was successful? So I realized really quickly that for me, I needed to be a low volume photographer that offered a high touch experience or a high value experience. I did change up my model to do an in-person sales process with my clients, which means to me that I work with no more than four clients a month for shooting and that I have a process where I see them multiple times and I get to really know them and I get to know a little about their lives and their children and their families and their animals and I always laugh and say that by the time I'm done going through this process, like I kind of feel like I'm personally invested in like their equestrian journey and in their animals. Like I want to know if if somebody has to put a horse down, like I feel hurt by that and I feel their pain when they have to do something like that. So anyway, so that's why I did make a transition in my life. And that's one of the ways that I have been able to incorporate and still do equine equestrian portraits, but not shoot every day of the week. The other piece of that is My husband is home from work on the weekends. My son is home from school on the weekends. And a lot of photography businesses thrive on the weekends. Like that's when they're doing all of their shoots. And I set a boundary for myself that I would shoot sessions on weekdays that I was available. And I would only shoot one weekend day as well. And preferably only two weekends a month would have weekend day shoots because I want to be at the soccer game. I want to be at the beach for the beach day. I want to be able to go on the trail riding events in our community, and those are always on the weekends. So I had to define what even my schedule would look like. I had to be that precise about like when I was actually going to open up my schedule to my business. And then I'm in Florida, which some photographers shoot year-round. I typically don't shoot portraits in the three hottest months of the year. I just found real quick that people would invest in hair and makeup, groom their horse, invest in braiding, whatever it is they need to do for their shoot. 
And before we even got started, everybody was dripping with sweat. So I had to build a business that still brought me in some kind of income during those summer months that wasn't necessarily built around the portrait industry. So there's been other streams that I have added to help fill that in. Phyllis, one of the things that you're really good at is having diversification in your income streams. That is something that I definitely put a lot of thought in when I learned more about your passive income side of things. So what do you guys want to add to that? I want to add that if you have a photography business or if you're wanting to start a photography business, you can start making these shifts. So here's the thing. It took me a lot of years listening to other people's advice before I stopped taking it all to heart and started building the business I wanted. Phyllis mentioned this as well in her experience. I think there's this real drive for the next sexy thing. IPS right now or in-person sales mm-hmm. in the photography industry is is a thing that like people want to talk about. And yes, it's a very valid income model, but it's not the only one. It's not the only way. And the way that Kara does it or the way that the person who's teaching the class about in-person sales that you just attended does it doesn't have to be the way that you do it. So you can design it the way that you want to design your business. And that starts back with what I said at the beginning. How do you want to spend your time? What is it that you want to do? What is the level of income that you want to get out of it or need to get out of what you're doing? And how does it fit into your life? And one of the best ways for you to explore the possibilities around that is to write a vision. And I work with people all the time as a coach and a consultant and a gestaltist to help them be able to access the vision of what they really want out of their day, week, month, and year. And it's a sad state of affairs in our world that so many of us are so caught up in what is what we think we should be doing that we don't really have accessibility to what we really want to be doing or what we love to do. I think we all get wrapped up in, well, if I want this, I have to do this, that, and the other thing in order to get it. And I really don't like that and the other thing. I only like this, right? So I'm not going to tell you Mm -hmm. that in life, everything is going to be a bowl of cherries and, and coming up roses and all the other cliches. You do have to do things that you sometimes don't like. I know that for that's true for both Kara and Phyllis. It's true for myself. I don't like taxes, but I still have to do my accounting. It's like my least favorite activity. But on the other side of things, I do spend about 85% of my time doing what I absolutely love to do. And that's what we want to aim for. And the best way to suss that out for yourself is to sit down and write a vision statement to take a look. If all things, take the how out of it. It doesn't matter how it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if you want to make $200,000 a year and only work two weeks out of the month. That's doable. But you have to start with what is it that you want and then figure out how to build a business model 
that'll make that happen for you. And no, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take you years to get moved in that direction. But here's the key to this whole thing, guys. If you don't know what direction you're going, you spend a whole lot of time wandering around in the wilderness. And yeah, sometimes there's pretty sights and good lessons. But if you know where you're headed, you can start to create the world and the life that you want to create. And don't get sucked in by the next sexy thing as a way to do marketing or the type of photography business that you have to have. Get to know yourself first and then work on making a business model that works for that. And it took me a lot of years to figure that out. I owned a printing business that went bankrupt because I like design work. I hate printing presses. It was a year into that business. And I am like, if I have to smell ink one more day in this place, (laughs) if I could pick that press up and threw it out of the door, I would have because I didn't like that thing. It was an awful part of my life. Another awful part of my life when it came to photography is I started my business when there was a darkroom. By the way, smell seems to be a big thing for me. I didn't like the smell of the darkroom chemicals. So it was like, no, I am not doing that. But guess what? Even though it was kind of standard for a lot of photographers doing photography that way I was doing it to have their own darkroom, I didn't have to. I made a friend with a darkroom <laughs> and paid them and, and it worked out a whole heck of a lot better. It's interesting that you say that because I think it's real easy to get sucked into looking down the road to what Joe Photographer is doing and feeling like, well, they're successful. I need to follow their you know, and do exactly what they do. And you build your business in a way that you think is consistent with what they're doing. And the truth is, is we don't know what their goals are as a business or what their needs are as a business. I mean, we just spent time with a bunch of photographers that are new to their business. And when you sit down and actually talk to them about like, what are your goals as a business owner? Every single photographer has a different story and a different goal and a different income level that they want to reach for different reasons. And that was so eye-opening to me that it does not make sense for us all to follow the same path. So once I got rid of the guilt and the fear of missing out, like the FOMO when I see photographers that are super busy, you know, they look like they're shooting every night of the week and you feel pressure like, oh, I should be doing that too. I should be doing that too. But the truth is, is that if that's not what you want to do with your life and how you want to spend your days, like Kim says, then that's not right for you. And part of that battle is being okay with releasing that and saying, oh, that's okay that that person is doing that or that those photographers are doing that. That's not what I want for my life. So I have to build something different for me. I think you need to take part of that with a grain of salt too, that just we can all brag about how busy we are on social media. That doesn't always make it exactly the case. <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't always yeah. mean money or profit, right? Right. You can be super busy, but you're not making any money. Bottom line We all love what we do, but we still have to make a living to be able to continue to do this. So, yep, absolutely. And if you're sitting here listening to this thinking, this sounds great, but I really don't know what type of business model I want to have. I don't even know what's possible with photography. I want to look around. So here's a couple of things that we can do to help you. One, I can tell you 
Go look at other photographers. Go see what their business models are. It's usually not too hard to figure out. Go to their websites, take a look around and see what's there. We also have a great resource if you're a member of the Professional Photographers Association of America, PPA. They have some great resources to help you figure that out. And then the final thing I want to say is that we're going to be talking about this over some future podcast episodes. We're going to be talking about some common ways photographers businesses are structured and give you some base ideas on what you can expect to develop a photography business into. We're going to take a look at pricing models, at different ways of working with clients in this podcast. It's part of what we want to offer as our expertise and our experience to who the folks that are listening to us. And we would love to invite you in a conversation if you have a business model or if you have a way that you do your job that you would like to share with us as well. It's an open discussion that I think photographers need to have on a more regular basis. It sometimes feels to me like, especially when it comes to pricing, which I know is always a big topic when we do events, and which is actually what led us to this particular episode, is that pricing is the elephant in the room that nobody wants to acknowledge is in the room. (laughs) You know, it's like everybody's working around it. They have to walk under it and beside it, and they got to clean up after it. But none of us want to have a discussion around that. And I think that Kara and Phyllis agree with me on this. And that's something that we want to change. We want to be able to have open and honest discussions about business models and pricing because the industry is not favored by all of us acting like we're in great competition with each other and unwilling to share some basic business model information. So let me be the first one out there to say, I'm going to share the wisdom, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what is in my business, how I do business, what my pricing structure is, because I think it's the only way that young photographers are going to be able to avoid some of the hard lessons that I've learned. I'm looking forward to some of these upcoming episodes because that piece of it, uh, when I was first starting out, and even sometimes today, I get requests for things and it's like a challenge to get my finger on the pulse of what is in line for the industry standard around numbers. And so having those honest conversations, and I know a lot of our like workshop participants, when we sit down with them, they really appreciate us being like super candid and just saying, this is what I get paid for this. Yeah. What do you get paid for that? And having those conversations is huge. I totally agree with that, Karen, because when somebody asks you to price an image, whether it be for commercial use or publication in a magazine or something like that, you're scared because you like don't want to lowball yourself. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to highball it either and not get the job. So it's it it is. You're right. It's really that's a a very good point, and I think a, a, yeah. a good one to bring up. And and you don't want to have that guilt around like, oh, I'm the one that's bringing the industry down by charging super low prices. You know, like there's, you're all, there's all sorts of worry wrapped Mm -hmm. up in that. And you're right, the guilt and then also the shame for charging too little and another photographer calls you out on it. (laughs) Yes. I've heard that one too. Like, well, you're just bringing the whole industry standard down when you don't charge any more than that or when you do 
or when you do license your artwork for for publication and in different market. Mm-hmm. I've heard that one when I first started doing licensing as well. So, but it's like a stab in the back because there's this whole idea that you need to charge the right thing, but no one's going to talk about what you're supposed to charge. So yeah. you just need to guess the right number, <laughs> right? You know that I'm not going to judge you at. So that's the thing that is so frustrating to me, which is why I've appreciated that I have a group of people that I can call and say, okay, this is the quote. What do you think? Can you look at it? You know, you have to be able to have people in your corner that you can talk to about that. And that's why I think like with Cowgirls with Cameras, I have so enjoyed those conversations with the folks that we work with and being able to talk openly. To me, it's a creating an environment of openness that is less about competition and more about raising the industry standards as a whole. I had participants from our Cottonwood event recently that have already had some success from those images message me. One of them messaged me and said a gallery just reached out to her and she told me what they wanted to pay her. And I was just like, that's amazing, first of all. And I'm so proud of you and so excited for you. But also like the fact that she felt comfortable talking about that price point, I think has a lot to do with how open we are about talking about what we're making and how we're bringing in money into our photography businesses. Absolutely. And I think we need to keep having the conversations around it. And I think it's something that our listeners can look forward to learning from us. And also, again, if you want to become part of this conversation, I want to personally invite you to become part of the conversation with us. If you have questions or have things that you want us to talk about on the show regarding business models and pricing, we would love to be able to field those. If you have questions about how the heck do you find out how you want to grow your life and your business, talk to, send us in information on on social media, reach out because there are things that we would like to share. Because again, I want to see this be a more collaborative work environment for all photographers. When I'm like Kara, when I very first started I ran into concrete wall after concrete wall after concrete wall of photographers that just didn't want to talk to me and were like, go learn on your own, pup. And I did learn on my own and I became successful at it. But you know what? I have some bruises from from those walls I ran into. And I don't want other photographers to experience that. There's no reason for that. There is no reason for it. There is plenty of room on this planet for as many people who want to be photographers as want to be photographers. There's not a set limit and we do not have to scramble over each other to be able to attain the life that we want and have a business and photography that supports it. Awesome. Well, these upcoming episodes, I think are going to really, they're going to really speak to that. So I'm pretty excited to have those coming up. I'm going to jump into the photo challenge now, if that's okay with you guys. Sounds good to me. Okay. So this week, to be on the topic, we would love for you all to share an image that best represents what you want to photograph. If it's in your business or in your life as an amateur, whatever it is, whatever it gets you excited and what you want to have in front of the camera on a regular basis, share a picture of what you want to photograph using the hashtag 
hashtag CWC photo challenge and tag us over at Cowgirls with Cameras. We want to see it. If you tag us, we will share for you. If you aren't already following us online, please check us out at Cowgirls with Cameras. We are on Instagram and Facebook. We are also online at cowgirlswithcameras.com where you can get more information on how you can join us at some of our upcoming events. We should have new events posted shortly. So we look forward to hearing more from you guys soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cowgirls with Cameras. Don't let the laughter and learning stop here. Join our community on social media and be sure to visit our website for more opportunities to fulfill your photography goals. Head to cowgirlswithcameras.com. That's cowgirlswithcameras.com. See you next time.